I think when I'm present, I hear things differently and I see things differently. We make equipment that will last forever. The downside of that is that once you've sold something to a customer, they're not going to come back to you. For me, I always kept going to the gym because I knew whatever was happening in my life, it was almost like this sort of drug that made life feel better. You're more selling the feeling of what you can create more than you are selling the actual product itself. You can see why most people just give up. You kind of got to really want it or you got to be a little bit crazy to sort of want to go through the sort of difficulties of setting up a business over there. It does doesn't take you any more time to build a necessarily a hundred million pound business that it does a million pound you're better off doing something than nothing even if it's going to work for someone habitual behavior to me is doing the same thing day in day out because you know at the end of that habitual habit that you get the result over here that you've predetermined people think when you have your own business you've just got all this cash around but yeah there's loads of it it's kind of sitting in warehouses and that around yeah around the world first things first guys before we get started with this podcast do me a solid favor and subscribe to this on whatever platform you're listening to it right now. Whether that's YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, I'd appreciate if you just hit that subscribe button and it lets me know that the content that I'm putting out for you guys is hitting your ears at the right time. Much love. This podcast is sponsored by contentremoval.com. So whether you're looking to remove any images, videos, search results, fake Instagram accounts, get in touch with us at contentremoval.com. And welcome back to the Frankie Lee Podcast. Today, we are in another location and you guys are in for an absolute treat today. I have the co-founder of Escape Fitness, Mr. Matthew Janizek. Welcome to the podcast and welcome to your extraordinary show gym that we're in right now. Thanks very much. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, it's great to be great to be in here again. I was uh, just in here a few few hours ago. Uh, well, actually last night working out, so it's a, it's a bit of a bit of a playground. <laughs> well, working out obviously has, has, has brought you to obviously where you are now and, and keeping yourself in good shape. Now, obviously, Escape, the, the reason why I wanted you on this podcast is because one, um, as, a, as, a, as a young guy coming up in the game myself, I look at you as an entrepreneur and look at your family as entrepreneurs and I've seen what you've built over the last uh, number of years. And when I first kind of found you, um, when I first kind of realized exactly what you'd done, I was in Australia in an anytime fitness and I've, I was training and, I, and I'm, I'm lifting this equipment up and I've seen, I see, I see this name escape on it. And I'm like, holy fuck. I really, I realized I, I know the founders of this. I know, I know, I, I know where this has come from. I know where this was birthed kind of thing. So give us a bit of an insight into obviously your, your fitness journey before you started to get into obviously making equipment, but obviously you started um, bodybuilding, like doing the shows on stage kind of give us a bit of a background. Yeah, it was it was actually, and you're you're from Peterborough as well. Aren't yeah, you? yeah, originally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so it's uh, for those people who don't know Peterborough, you know, it's it's kind of um, it's a it's a hidden spot, isn't it? <laughs> it's hidden for it's hidden for a reason. Because it's hidden because Escape Fitness is only probably it's probably the last thing left here that's any worth any money, isn't it? <laughs> but, but it's funny. There was a, a a friend of probably you may know him as well, uh, Rob Moore, who's who's another popular podcaster. Yeah, yeah, um, he's so, been he's been on mine. Yeah, 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 right. for sure. So it's actually you know there's actually quite a few interesting things going on, and 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 from Peterborough, but. Um, it's not not the first place you kind of think of, is it? <laughs> no, it's, it's 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 certainly not. But like, so just your obviously when you first you first get into fitness, you first start doing this bodybuilding and stuff. So give, talk to me through that journey and, and kind of your findings with that and what made you kind of pursue then making equipment. Yeah, it it was. Uh, I think I think like most people, Arnold Schwarzenegger and pumping iron was a was a big bit of an inspiration when I was a when I was a kid and. Um, 
had a, had fascination. I, I think at the time as well in the eighties, it was there was Rambo and there was there was everything that sort of Arnold went on to do, and and I guess as male role models, the the sort of bodybuilding look was something that people strive to, and uh, I, th- I think having coming from someone like Peterborough, there probably there wasn't a huge amount of things that, or people or or. Um, inspiration around and so watching american movies and seeing people on the beach in california was was something that sort of i suppose got got me going at, at you know all the way back then so i i yeah watched that then i think my my first um piece of fitness equipment i sold was i used to be um i used to work in a nightclub in peterborough when i was before i was old enough to work in one because uh, i you know that was quite sort of attractive at the time. You know, working in nightclubs and meeting girls and <laughs> doing the social scene and all <laughs> yeah. that stuff. Yeah, and uh, and I remember sort of buying some fitness equipment. There's a guy I don't know if you know him in Peterborough called Ian Paulie. He used to be a yeah, a I famous know, yeah, I know. I know his son Charlie well. He used to box okay. with his son. So yeah, 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 so I he had a gym not far from the, from this nightclub, and I I brought out all of his old fitness equipment and I sold it to one of the guys in in the gym. And so I think that's. That's kind of when I first um, started. That's the first sale I think I made of fitness equipment. And then my dad, he um, he used to be an engineer, or still is an engineer, and and he had a set of these plastic weights. I'm sure you you remember the Argos them. ones. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It was yeah. before Argos. I don't know what the company was called, but they were red and they were filled with concrete. And uh, and I think the handles kind of broke pretty quickly. And my dad made these revolving, beautiful stainless steel handle. Um, dumbbell set and uh so so yeah he I, I guess my my dad's passion for making stuff and mine for uh for bodybuilding and 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 trying to sort of get involved in something uh, other than what i was doing at the time was just uh was, was just a sort of an early passion i guess and, uh, so do you, do you remember then when you first decided obviously you sat there your dad's designed these beautiful dumbbells did you did you think to yourself hold on a minute look because i because i, I i've seen this is a product that I would buy. Is that, did it come into your head about turning it into commercial venture from there? Or did you, did you think about developing from there? Or how, how, did, it, how did that come about? Not really. I, there was a big jump between me at, at 16. And then uh, I, I think it took me longer than most people to even decide I wanted to get involved in business. You know, it was, for me, it was very much lifestyle first. And, and my lifestyle and, and whatever I did funded my lifestyle. And so I was working in nightclubs, doing parties, working for my grandfather's business, Any, anything just to, to fund going out and partying uh, with my mates and with girls. <laughs> I, lo- I, lo- I, love, I, love, I love the fact that you're an entrepreneur that admits that because I think so many of us on, who try and be entrepreneurial at certain points in our life, we pressure ourselves because we see so many people on social media these days that are 20, crypto millionaire, all this kind of stuff's coming out all the time. It's kind of, you're, you're actually saying you actually started in business. What, at what age did you start? Probably in my late twenties. And I mainly be, I, I suppose two things. One, I wouldn't want my kids to follow that path. Um, uh, because I don't necessarily think, I, I think probably because I, I wasn't, didn't have anybody guiding me and pointing me in the right direction. I, I would have probably started a little bit earlier to be honest. But then on the other side, I had a lot of fun through my teenage years and 20s which kind of influence where I am so it's difficult to say what you would do uh, probably maybe finish it a little bit earlier <laughs> and, retire yeah, and, yeah. and try and, and and figure out what you want to do but yeah I had a, I had a great time and my goal was just look, I, I, I wanted to go out and party and have fun and and 
and have a great life and make sure that I could fund that through, you know, easy ways of doing business, which is working on doors and selling tickets to parties. And, um, you know, I used to, I always used to have a couple of jobs ever since I can remember. Ever since I left school, I always had two jobs. And I always used to literally, my weekends, I would work Friday, Saturday, Sunday, even Mondays. You know, I'd, I'd work from nine till five and I'd finish, go drive to Nottingham, start at like 8.30, work till two, drive back, start work the next day. And I did that for, for a long time and worked in Milton Keynes, worked in London in the evenings and did a day job. And so I loved to work. And, and because I didn't have a huge amount of money, then I'd try and find jobs where I could combine, um, you know, doing what I wanted and get paid for it at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I worked the doors in Peterborough for a couple of years, where, you know, early days, because at the end of the day, I was getting paid to go out rather than but I didn't realise how dangerous that was getting towards the end of my time doing that. I mean, you've, you've probably seen a few things as well. But you mentioned there like that things might have been different for you if you'd kind of had some mentorship earlier. So how important through your whole business journey has mentorship been at certain points kind of thing? Has, has mentorship been a constant feature since you found that out? It was when I got to an age when I realised that that was actually helpful because I, I didn't enjoy school. I left school as soon as I could do and um, didn't feel I got anything from it, didn't like getting told what to do, didn't really feel as I enjoyed learning. But when I kind of went through the phase of being reintroduced into it, in, in fact, it was a company, I don't know if you've heard of Amway. Yeah, yeah, the, 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 the multi-level marketing type stuff. Yeah, so, I, so when I was at one of my jobs, I think I was in like early 20s, and then I went to... Um, one of the ladies I used to work with, her husband was very successful and, and he gave me some tapes, some of these is before CDs and iPods and stuff and gave me these tapes that you put in the car and he says, oh, listen to these and then maybe come and find out more about it. So I listened to the tapes and although I weren't interested in Amway, the tapes were, were amazing. You know, they, they were a lot of self-development and uh, I, can't, I can't remember the people at the time that, that were talking, but it was it was about motivation and sorting your life out and having a having a goal and all the basic things that you learn, and that really kind of um, uh, inspired me. And then I, I he gave me a book called Think Big, which is um, which is a really interesting book, and it, and it kind of clicked with me back then. And and even now, I sort of still think it's a interesting book to go back and read because a lot of times we don't necessarily think big enough in, in what we're doing and so the combination of the tapes and the book and him trying to get me into Amway and going to a couple of meetings and me realizing I didn't want to do that but that did set me off into this sort of okay I, I want to learn more about how you know you how your brain works and how you can focus and sell and, and do all those kind of things so so I think from maybe mid-20s I did the I bought a set of um, Tony Robbins CDs I, I was actually looking at a Tony Robbins book the other day, um, the, the the red one, Un, Unlimited Power or something okay. like that. And, you know, when you actually read these books again after so many years, or Awaken the Giant Within, it might have been even, when you actually read these books, there's a lot of, there's a lot in that that you can take from it and actually apply into your life even, even now. And I remember one of the first books I read was Think and Grow Rich. And that even just expanded my mind and opened me up to a whole new level of thinking. Mm. I think you need those those key pivotal point, points, don't you, where you kind of get your eyes opened in certain ways when you look back and connect the dots. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I did. I got the. I think I read the book, and it might have been Unlimited Power. And then I I remember buying these CDs. Um, 
and I was on I was at my parents' house and they had a QVC card and it was I, I looked at them and I thought wow they're quite expensive um, for these just these CDs but his infomercial was really really good so I brought the I think it was like you got seven CDs and you listen to one a day and for thirty days and um, and and that was really that was quite um, I guess enlightening and then I went then I started doing his events and I did a bunch of stuff for, for with him for a few years I did all the leadership and then I did the date with destiny and the wealth mastery and all that kind of stuff which was which was pretty cool how, how impactful because obviously I've been to the initial event that Tony Robbins has um which is a starter one I can't think that might be un, um unleashed Dave, um yeah UPW unleashed, yeah, yeah UPW is his starting one so I've I've been to that and I've spent a couple of thousand dollars and I've I've seen how he can change your state and get you into a euphoric state. And you and by being in a euphoric state, I've seen how that can open up your mind to new possibilities. But what obviously you've worked with him and done a lot higher things. What was your experience from that and how did it change your life? I did, I did the UPW and then he obviously has his upsell where he sells the date with Destiny, which I think at the time was about a 10 grand um, program, which was 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 really a lot of money for me then but I'd sold a house that I bought when I was uh, I don't know in my early 20s and I sold it and so I, I had I think I must have had 20 grand and so I, I thought okay this is going to be really worth it because he in the videos he shows you how you will change your life and make loads of money and stuff so I remember buying it and um, so I did that whole program which was which was fantastic um, in fact I'll tell you a funny story about that in, in a minute. Just remind me. But so I did the program and then I liked it. And then you had an opportunity to do the um, it's called the Leadership Academy. So you basically go on the courses for free. You, or you pay a little bit and then you coach other people. So you get to learn both sides of the process. And then he introduced the program, which is now called Business Mastery. But he tested it out with a small group of people about um, it's about 50 people. And he did like one on one coaching over the phone, which was quite unique. And I went to Palm Springs and my other brother uh, Luke uh, when he was developing the course and we did that a few times and so I'd done most of his programs and and he's he's very good you know the problem is most people don't always follow and apply the stuff but even now I kind of go back and and things that I learn you remember at different times in your life and so I, I think it's very powerful he's obviously at a different age now and there's younger people that are doing a lot of that stuff but he, you know I think even today, he's um, some of the things and the pr- principles that he's got and the processes are really amazing. They're, they're really life changing, depending on where you are in your life. But f- certainly for me, they kind of made a big difference. And what was that funny story you're going to tell us? Well, I went to uh, so there's a program called Date with Destiny, and, and he used to go to these beautiful resorts around the world. I think we went to I, I went to Jamaica to one, and I went to Fiji on another one, and then I the first one I went to was in a place called Palm Springs in California. And, and it would have been, I've, I think it would have been about 20 years ago now um, when I did the first one. I've actually got the book that I did and you write the goals. And, and so I kind of wrote these goals out way before I met my wife and certainly before I had kids and everything. And I, I sort of put where I wanted to live and what I wanted to do. And, and it was quite funny because I ended up going back to that resort. When I, so when I moved to America, uh, that resort's about an hour from where I I live now. I, I sort of went back to that same resort in that same area with my wife and kids um, all those years later. And so it was quite funny that sitting in this place that was, for me, was in the mid, I think it was the first time I went to America. I went, I, I flew into LA and we drove out to, to Palm Springs and writing down the vision saying, this, this is where I want to live, you know, I want to come here. And then um, all those years later, being there with my kids that were sort of 
eight or nine years old and uh, in the same hotel. It's quite funny. <laughs> so, so when you reviewed that book that you obviously wrote in years later, did you find that you'd achieved every goal that you'd written down? I think, I suppose when you write down goals, you, or when I did, there's certain, I, I think sometimes you can kind of think that they're going to happen in a particular way. So you've got a goal, but then you also sort of have a way of that goal happening. Um, so in some of the, 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 the journey was very different, but the essence of the goal was, was very, very similar in a lot of cases. There was a few that were different, and there was a few where it's like, okay, I wanted to have a house, I wanted to look over the ocean and that kind of stuff, which, or I, no, it was actually in, in London over the, I want to look over the Thames, but I had a picture of this place. And so some of them happened and in the same way, and some of them happened, but they were different. But a lot of it was pretty similar. I've still got the books. I've, I've, I've got them in just just across the road there and I can show you you know <laughs> yeah I'd, I'd, I'd actually love to see because I because I I do believe in you know kind of I know it's a bit of a overused word these days that people hate but I do believe you can kind of manifest your future reality that you want by setting a path and setting goals and kind of when, when you set them you kind of don't, you don't want to look at them every day you kind of some of them goals have to go away and, and they kind of because your path like you say might be different towards the goals and what you think but when you got over when you when you, when you obviously set along starting escape and all that kind of stuff was that on the back of doing all this stuff i i think i just started escape so i'd i, I was in a comp business i wanted to get in something else so we'd started another company and it was a very simple idea where i um my dad wanted to make something in poland he had this belief that poland was going and this is going back 25 30 years he, he believed that was a great european central european low-cost manufacturing source and he said have a think about what you can make there and then i had friends with gyms and gym equipment businesses and we found this sort of opportunity where people were looking for these rubber bumper plates that was kind of that was the basic idea and so we found them in poland and and we started sort of buying and selling them and you know, that was a short part of a very long story but once i started the business i was i was kind of on that road to to learn as much as I can, develop myself, and even now, like I'll I go through phases. But if I'm in the car, I'm listening to some personal development stuff from someone, and I go through phases of different people depending on where I am. But I I think for me, one, it kind of business is tough and life's tough, and and having just a, some positive stuff that keeps going in your mind. For me, anyway, maybe not for everybody, but for me, it was always it always pushed out, stopped me thinking about the stuff I didn't want to think about and it kind of forced my mind to be full of stuff that was good to kind of run around my mind. And, um, and so I've, I, I, you know, I still use that a lot, you know, and when, I believe, you know, I'll probably continue to do that all my life really. <laughs> because obviously uh, you've, you've built this business and, and, and bootstrapped it right the way through, never took on investment. It's one of the things that I commend you for to get to 25 years in, in the fitness game at the level that you've got to, at the impact you've had globally and, you know, being in these big gym chains, to do that on a bootstrap basis is, is, is mental, really, when you when you actually think about it, because not many other fitness brands could, could say they've done that. W at what point did you realise in the early days that you had a business, that you had something that could scale, that you had something that could kind of... Was there, was there any point where you thought, do you know what, after the first year, I realised we've got something here? 
It was um, it, 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 there was quite a few years where we were f- trying to figure out getting a, getting a good product and something that people wanted to buy. That took quite a long time, and in the end, we found a German company and we got the distribution rights for it. And then once we got that, things happened pretty quickly. It, it you know, I realised that yes, we've got a business, and um, it, 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 yeah, you kind of knew that uh, this is going to be things are going to change pretty quickly. You, you had that sort of feeling. So you went first off then, so you established a a distribution model where you distributed other people's stuff under your brand. No, we just, just theirs. The the plan was for us to make our own stuff and find a factory and then sell it. And and that, you know, we tried a number of different options for a number of years and it didn't quite work out. So it was almost like an interim thing, but we went to a big show in Germany, FIBO, and we found a German company that kind of had everything that we wanted ready to go. And they didn't have somebody that was selling in England. So I, um, me and someone else actually went to them at the same time to get distribution rights. And I was trying to get there before them and they got there before me. And in the end, I convinced them to give me the distribution as well as the other person. And we both got it. And I said, right, I'm going to sell more than the other person. And I believe I did, or we did. And, um, and yeah, that's, that's kind of how we, how we sort of started the business. But the difference was the other company had... They had a business. They were involved in the fitness industry. They'd been around for a long time. Where we literally had, I got I got someone to make up a business card and some letter-headed paper, and we didn't have an. We were working out my parents' spare bedroom in in Yaxley, <laughs> no warehouse, nothing. So um, if you had to back a horse, then you probably wouldn't have necessarily backed us to to, to go on and do what we did. But those are some of the funniest stories in business, aren't they? Because obviously you got that, that, that is the story you own to tell the world now because obviously that, that's, a, that's how you started. Whereas a lot of businesses, like you say, they, they potentially start with, with four or five staff, they have big, bigger offices. You know, do you think then that going back, and I, I don't want to dwell too much on the Tony Robbins stuff, but do you think that the, the, the mindset that you picked up from those kind of self-development stuff that kind of allowed you to push through that moment of limiting belief where a lot of people would have gone, do you know what, we can't compete with these people. Yeah, sometimes... Um ignorance actually helps you in those situations if I'd have known what I was going to do I probably wouldn't have done it but then now when I look back I, it's, it's very it's very difficult to say um, I, I think certainly having this belief that we were going to go and do something amazing without actually knowing studying the numbers and the financial op- you know none of that stuff there was no business plan it was just look this is a great idea there's loads of gyms they need this and I'm going to sell it to every gym in the country originally that's kind of how it started and that's what we did um now when we look at things we look at things very differently and sometimes that 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 information you get can stop you from creating something that you may not create if you if you did do that but, but then you know so you, so you can look at it on both ways but i i think um i think certainly having what what, what i guess the less the takeaway for me is that look you've got to have this belief in an idea but you've also got to make sure that the which is what i i do now and i've learned a lot more is is um finance isn't my strong thing and uh we have a great team in the business that does this but i i think now is is partnering up with somebody who's really good on that finance side to help offset what you do now you should you know you should still make the dream and the vision and go ahead and do it regardless of the numbers but having an understanding of the numbers and the margins and the market size and all that sort of stuff is a is a useful thing because I think also we've gone on down a direction without that 
and wasted a lot of time and money as well. So, uh, can can you give give me an example where you thought that you were making more money than you actually potentially were on the balance sheet? Or if we where we're making more money on the balance sheet? Um, just just an example of 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 where the finances where you thought the finances were straight on one end of the of the spectrum, but really because of certain oversights, you can be 10, 20% out on the other end. Because I've seen that happen in my own business. Well, I, I think we've always had, because of my dad, we've always had good financial control. So we, we're good financial reporting. So we've always seen where we are. I think the example probably I was giving is, let's say, you know, we see this product here and you get all excited about it and you put loads of time in and loads of energy and you get IP on it and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, the market size is not as big as what you thought it was and you put all this energy into something and in your mind you thought it was going to be, it was going to make you to make you this fortune. But really what you didn't figure out is, well, how much does it cost? How many people can afford it? How many places are likely to put that in? And, and sort of maybe misjudged the size of the opportunity because it doesn't take you any more time to build a necessarily a hundred million pound business dollar business that it does a million pound like you still got to work your your balls off and there's still so many hours in a day um so if you're going to go after an opportunity and the goal is to make money and get financial freedom then you probably want to figure out a business model that's going to do that in the most efficient way as you can and and a lot of that stuff i didn't realize until well into my business career so so essentially what you're saying then is pick Make sure that if if you're passionate about this product over here, make sure the size of the market for that product is 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 out there, so that you can obviously make money off the back of something you're passionate about. If you're going to create it anyway, yeah, and and other things as well. You 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 want a product that you want to develop customers. You want to develop customers that are going to come back to you, repeat customers. You know, we we sell equipment that lasts. Some of this stuff in here will last for twenty, thirty, forty years. If you want it to, it's, we make equipment that will last forever. Downside of that is that once you've sold something to a customer, they're not going to come back to you. So having something in your business where you can keep generating cash flow is also a good idea. So there's, there's a lot of, I suppose, basic business principles that no one teaches you <laughs> unless you go to business school and that, which I didn't. And I, pres- I presume you've, you've potentially sold subscriptions to like softwares on the back end to potentially... Um like maintenance stuff on the back end and stuff like that in order to put to plug that gap have you yeah th- yeah there's a number of things that we've looked at and we're doing and we continue to, to do and continue to evolve but I, I, the challenge is when you're a, an entrepreneur sometimes you you can have luck and you can fall into it like I've got, I've got a good friend that was very successful in the supplement business and that was the first thing he did and um he both of us put um he sold out to i think it was lucas aid or someone both of us started at a similar time both of us worked you know as hard as each other um both of us had the same connections in in the business but he had a sports nutrition business i had a fitness equipment company what's the difference well his business and the business model and the brand he built just had way more value to someone like a lucas aid than what our business was, you know, it, it just, it was just a different, now if I'd have known that at the beginning, it's like, okay Matthew, if you're going to build a business, yeah, dumbbells and free weights are great, but if you're starting from scratch and you can do this, then why not do that? Because you're going to get a lot further, a lot quicker yeah. and that, those are the things that, that you don't get taught and sometimes you go into something because it's a passion and there's no harm in that. 
But if you can do a passion that's also got a great business model, got great margins, got, got a great value if you ever sell it, etc., you just save yourself a lot of time. Well, so one of the things, obviously, the difference between your business and his business is like, you know, even like the weight of goods that you ship, you know, the manufacturing times of, of you know, the lead times on creating that squat rack is probably more than creating a tub of whey or a tub of whatever, whatever. So you've got all that to consider as well. So it's just about, I suppose, most people just got to pick the right boat to get in before they start putting the oars in the water and rowing towards what they think they want. And, and sometimes the, the other thing that I think is, and someone I've asked this question before when I was learning, it's like, well, how do you know which boat to get on? And most people just don't get on a boat. And, and I've had quite a few people say, look, just get on a boat and start rowing. You can always get off it and you can always change. But whilst you're on that boat, you're learning a lot, you're building your brand. So I, I think certainly the message I'm saying here is don't wait until you find that perfect model. You know, get on with it, develop relationships, um, me like you I've been doing a podcast for five years I never really knew or five and a half years never really knew what I was going to do didn't know if I was going to make any money out of it didn't know if I wanted to make money out of it didn't know anything about what I was going to do but I committed to do it for 12 months and I said I'd review it afterwards and and so in the end of probably five years now it's turned into something very different to what I thought it was going to be there was you know it's provided different opportunities and um, just different skills and there's a lot of things that that I've learned now as a result of going through that process that I didn't really realize until about five years into it so you don't always when you look back it's easy to see what you did and why you did and what it meant but sometimes when you're starting and when you're in it you don't know I I think like anything podcasting uh like like anything we we talk about on this podcast and like what you're doing is is simply an art and it's an art that you can only get better at with more reps on the table, it's as simple as that. And obviously, the the beauty of doing the reps is that whilst you're whilst you're learning the art of podcasting in itself, the beauty is you get to meet people like yourself. You get to meet other other people, and then they give you other ideas and things that might switch something in your mind that might change your business by two, three million on the bottom line because you just didn't know that information or hadn't seen that insight. I suppose you've had things like that drop in throughout your podcasting journey, right? Yeah, yeah, and 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 business as well. Um, I think those are the same things that, that apply. So, I guess my my takeaway is: look, you, you're better off doing something than nothing. Even if it's uh, even if it's starting going, you know, going to work for someone. Uh, my my sort of uh, niece is is in that process. She's got a great opportunity, terrible money, but great opportunity to learn from someone in a in a great business and. Uh, and so that value of seeing how people do it, do it really, really well and, and learning the skills and the habits and uh, don't like to use the word habit. I've, I've been taught that that's not a good thing to, uh, well, habits are not good. But <laughs> well, well, break, break down why habits aren't good. Well, I, 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 um, I, I did an interview with a guy called Billy Blanks. I don't know if you've heard Billy Blanks. He's, no. a, he's a, a kind of a famous American fitness guru from probably in the, 80s and 90s has this sort of boxing Tybo I think his program's called so anyway I sort of said to him I said look what are you you know what are your sort of habits that you do rituals and habits and and he said that he doesn't have any habits and I said well you know why why don't you have habits he says well what, what's a habit and what I ask you what's, what's a habit well I've read I've read books like Atomic Habits and and books like that have, have taught me that you know, have the habit of getting up early in the morning, have the habit of going to the gym and smashing your day and have the habit of, 
you know eat in a certain way and have that habit so so i so so the habitual behavior to me is doing the same thing day in day out because you know at the end of that habitual habit that you get the result over here that you've predetermined right so what he said is the problem with habits is that you're unconscious okay your habits are you you're, they're so ingrained that they become habitual and and you're just following you know your body's just going going through the motion so every step of the way you're you're kind of switching your mind off and you're just following a routine where what he's in he's he's he talks about very much being present conscious and aware of everything because every single step he's a martial artist and i think black belt whatever that he's been doing it for a long time so he's he uses a lot of martial art philosophies but it's like look okay there are certain i suppose routines and things that you can do in your day but but also as you're doing it don't turn it into a habit you know turn it into something where you're conscious and aware and it's like okay if this isn't the right thing for me to do at the moment i'm not going to do it i'm not just going to do it because it's a habit i'm going to be conscious oh maybe i shouldn't do that maybe you know because i I suppose it's like driving you know sometimes you kind of drive and you're not you're not thinking about it but if something accidentally sort of happens and you're just listening to your music and you're in a zone you know that's when it's over you know and and so not not sure whether it's the best example but i I think it, it you know in life maybe there's something that happens you know on the way to the gym or in the gym or you see something and if you're conscious and aware you can absorb it change direction and and your life can change quite quickly so i've i've I have a lot of habits and and still do, but I've I'm trying now to be a lot more present with things and people and situations, and um, and and when I think when I'm present, I I hear things differently and I see things differently, and some a lot of times I'm like, why the fuck am I doing this? <laughs> so it's 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 funny that you mentioned this point about habits at this point in my life because I realised. I was saying to Richie, your brother, he's obviously in this business as well, before this podcast, I was saying to him, he's he's talking to me about the gym, and obviously me and him have talked for years about the gym, and he's in great shape. And he was saying, are you you training while you're here? And I'm like, yeah, I am, Richie, but I've I've recently changed it because I realized I was just habitually going to the gym same time every day, similar type of routine for an hour, and it had to be an hour long. And And when I quit caffeine... After 20 days of, I'm 20 days of caffeine now, but after like 12 or 13, 14 days, you start to get your own mind back rather than chasing these temporary highs. And I realized that I'd fell out of love with that routine a long time ago. And the caffeine, I was taking on the caffeine as a way to, to give me a temporary high to go and do this, the, 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 the shit that wasn't interesting to me. And I was only doing that because I'd formed a habit. So I changed the routine. I'm like, right, I'll just give myself what Dorian Yates said to me at a meditation retreat. Dorian Yates said to me, Frankie, why are you training an hour for I'd never train more than 30 minutes. If you blast yourself for 30 minutes, you shouldn't need to fucking train an hour. And I was like, well, I'd never heard that before. So I remembered what he said to me at this meditation retreat that we went on with Dr. Joe Dispenza. And I thought, right, I'll just do 30-minute workouts. I feel elite now compared to what I was feeling because I'm literally going in there now and I'm doing 30 minutes and I'm getting out of there. And I'm like, oh, that makes me happy now because I don't. I realised I'm doing it for me and not for it having to be an hour long. So yeah, it, it just changed my life. And there's another guy I interviewed a few weeks ago called David Mariani. He trains a lot of NBA um, athletes and um, and yeah, some some pretty 
high-level sports people. And, and he talks about how, whether it's basketball or other sports, you know, there's a lot of work that they do. For example, if you throw with your right hand, they'll get you thrown with your left hand. And instead of walking forwards, he does a lot of work with people walking backwards. So he, he's constantly putting you in a position of discomfort because it's, it's like when you go, you've moved to another country a um, number of times like myself. When you're in another country... It's very, when, you know, when you're in Peterborough, like everything, you know where to go. I've not yeah. been here for years and I've, there's some places I hadn't been since I was a kid. And, but automatically I'm like, I'm, I can do this and I, I kind of figure things out and you, you basically turn off. Yeah. When you go to another country and, and every single thing you've got to keep, your, your brain is totally turned on to the people, the places, the situations, the relationships, the conversations, because you're constantly like, you don't know what's going on and you're aware, but your, your speed of learning is, is rapidly increased. I see it with my kids, you know, they're, they're constantly in new, new places, new people. They have to learn very, very quickly. So their, their minds can't just, can't just turn off and watch a phone and just sort of, you know, almost like go on, go on snooze for a while. You, you constantly prime. And that's, that's where I think you learn. And, and so Long way around, long sort of... Long, 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 long way long. <laughs> but but, but I, I do think it's something that we should be conscious. And, and Dorian, Dorian's great because, you know, if you listen to him or any bodybuilder talking about... I was chatting to Flex Lewis in Vegas the other week as well and, you know, talking about this mind-muscle connection and they've realised that, you know, that's a thing. And, and, and being aware of exactly what's happening when you're training and being connected to your body, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a genuine thing that they've proven you know, work. So there must be something in that awareness of exactly what you're doing at all, all times. I think it was Dorian Yates as well that told me don't listen to music in the gym because that takes you away from you, you, what you're actually doing as well. Like don't, no phone, no music, just like concentrate on the contraction of your muscle and feeling every fibre and, you know, like you say, that mind-muscle connection. And I've seen people that practice those ways of training and, and their bodies look, incredibly tuned because of, because of that nature of what they're doing i suppose mm. so so you you've obviously kept in phenomenal shape and i know you're in your 50s now right 52 <laughs> 52 but and it that just goes to show you that if you just look after yourself daily and you do i know i know we're talking about we're talking about not doing habits but but a habit for you or, or a constant in your life has been training so how much has training changed your life then essentially uh, yeah, ev everything I would say, not, well, not everything, but a big part of where I am and what I'm doing is because of of health and fitness. Uh, you mentioned earlier, I met my wife. I'm I'm in the business. I'm in America. All of that is because of health and fitness and and the impact that that's how it had on me. Uh, the the reason I do a podcast, the reason I know the people I know has has all been to it. So I I, I owe a lot to it, and I think. The, we're talking about mind and body connection, and um, even when I'm, even when I'm sort of coming up with business ideas, I would say most of the great business ideas, strategies that I've come up with, are, are, are not done when I'm working. They're done when I'm out in the gym, working out, running, doing something. That's where everything comes together in my mind. Now I make loads of notes, and I'll go and implement it. But the the inspiration, the ideas come when I'm in that sort of, as Tony Robbins calls that peak state. You know, you're happy, you're feeling good, you're moving, you've got blood flowing, you've got oxygen. That's when everything comes. And, and that's, that's worth, 
that's worth more than any kind of miracle drug that you can get. You know, it's a free. <laughs> and I suppose, I suppose the gym, like similar to 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 me, I find it like a meditation type thing. Like you know, a place where you learn more about yourself and and and, and things drop in because you're not thinking about you know engineering that dumbbell better. And whilst you whilst you come away from that specific task, it allows you to think about that task in a lot better way. Mm. Some people, my wife, she she's jujitsu. She does jujitsu, and she likes. To be with people and um, and to have that challenge and and I've done that for a while and apart from sort of being beaten up and coming coming back after every session in pain maybe because of my age now I I sort of don't get that so I, I like it and I enjoy it but from a mental perspective I, I like this sort of being on my own like I came in here last night and just picking up all the different tools and and um, just just moving running tr- trying different ideas I, for me that sort of sets something off in my mind where i kind of you know i can forget about everything and it's just almost that that time for yourself where you need to put everything that's happened in your day in your life and it and it puts it in its right place and you come out feeling different and i remember even when i was going back to a teenager when I used to have different difficult stuff happening and i never really knew what was happening then but i used to go to the gym and i'm like, oh i feel better now and so, I, so for me, I always kept going to the gym because I knew whatever was happening in my life, it was almost like this sort of drug that made life feel better. And then as I got older, I started to, I had people on the podcast that explained exactly what was happening and why you feel happy and the happy chemicals that are releasing. And, you know, it's a, it's a chemical reaction that goes on. But it was, it's always been something for me that just, just puts life back into balance. And when I'm not doing it, I just don't feel quite as good and don't feel quite as happy. Not, not just physically but just mentally uh, we all have mental stuff that we deal with and whether you kind of get light or serious depression and, and exercise is it really just kind of takes that whole weight off your shoulders and it allows you to blast blast through it and obviously feel a lot better because of the endorphins anyway yeah 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 definitely but give, give me a bit of an insight into obviously the development process of products like this because obviously we're, we're in this gym and you know i'm seeing all these different you've got new products over there that we can't talk about but you've got products over here like the racks and stuff like that that you've developed when you develop things like that just walk me through the process of one developing it and two getting the patents on it so that other people can't go and steal your shit (laughs) because i know in this industry that is prevalent yeah with the uh, product side and that's something that we continue to learn a lot about but i think now it's trying to find a, a meaningful problem to solve for somebody uh, that that and and a lot of times although i think we started like that as you go along people bring opportunities to you and you think oh that's a great product and but when that and they might look good and they might have some a good sort of sales pitch with them but what kind of problem are they are they solving and we've we've been involved in selling and distributing a lot of product products that don't actually solve the problem that you think they do or they're so far ahead of where most people are that the the cost to educate people about why they need this is you know it's just just too too far ahead unless you've got a really deep pockets so we try and find simple problems that uh, are relatively easy for people to understand um it's not like you're trying to sell electric cars to people back in the sort of 50s that just need a basic car you know like Sell them electric cars then at that price they don't need it they you know too yeah. expensive it doesn't make sense but but it's, it's so it's trying to get something that is is close enough for people to understand 
um, and it solves a meaningful problem. And for us, it's about aesthetics. We, if something looks good, I think, people are more likely to pick it up and be attracted to it. So we, we want a nice design. We want it to solve a genuine problem and, um, and, it, and to, fit into, um, to fit into, I suppose, what we do conceptually. So um, be, because, it, you know, if you think about it from a... If you think about it from a business perspective, sometimes people are like, okay, they've got this product over here and they've got this product over here and one sells to consumers and one sells to businesses and, and one sells to this particular channel. Sometimes you kind of have all these different products for all these different needs. And, it, and to build, unless, unless you've got a lot of money behind you, but to build reputation and, and promote a product and to build a brand, and it's very, very difficult to do that just with one thing, let alone three or four in different markets so we try to make sure and it's and it's a lot of work and discipline but we try to continue to focus on things that that tap into our existing network of people and relationships so do you have a hero product currently that you build everything around um we we have a few like the stuff you're seeing here all these frames this this is all made in england um it, you can kind of almost customize it to whatever you want in in a gym and so this is a popular part of what we do. And then we sell all the sort of weights and dumbbells and everything to go with it. But we, we kind of focus on more designing whole spaces to go within gyms. So, so your, 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 like your, your IP, essentially then, your real key skill is designing the space that the gym fits into yeah. rather than just the gym equipment that you put in it. Yeah. So, you, so you're, you're more selling the feeling of what you can create more than you are selling the actual product itself. We do do that. We do, however, have products where we have design patents and mechanical patents on them, like a lot of things that you see here have got those on. And patents are great, but you've got to be able to, if someone copies you, you've got to then fight. You've got to go legal, yeah. Yeah, and that costs money. And, and then it's just, what are you going to get? And then, then, they, then you can make, sometimes, if people know what they're doing, they can get around it by making small changes. So we do protect a lot of stuff but it's very expensive and um and another strategy is to, just to continue to innovate and come up with an you know almost like copy knock yourself off um you know so if you're going to if someone's going to copy it and make a better version then why don't you do it and then the next one because if you think about it you learn a lot from doing the first one and whenever you've got a product you're like oh i could have done that best so do the first one then do the next one because you've already learned it and then the next one and then whoever comes and tries to copy you they're copying your first version instead of your third one because you've already got your third and fourth and fifth in your head and so yeah. you're already mentally way ahead of where you were so that's so, so does that stop you pursuing legals then on stuff like if people copy we still do it but we try and pick our battles now uh <laughs> lost lost a lot of money and even if you win, you don't necessarily win. Yeah, uh, if, 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 they, if, you, if you, you might get the technical win in court, but that might, have, that might have lost you a fortune in money going up to it. And a lot of these bigger brands, especially in this industry and every other industry as well, they will, they will know that they will know based upon your predicted cash on balance sheet how long you can fight for, and they will take it that length of time to drag you out of money. Mm. And I've, I've seen brands that have won things, but the company's like literally a, a, a broken soul at the back end here because they've drained so much money out of the back end because they've fought this big corporate. So you can't really control it, can you? I think you've got to take every case um, individually. You know, what's the product? What's the potential? Who's the investors? Who are you trying to keep happy? There's, there's, there's so many different scenarios. And I, I suppose 
it's very difficult to say, well, this is what you should do for everything because you've got to weigh up the costs. You know, who are, who are you? How much money have you got? Who are they? How much money have they got? If you win, what happens? Are you going to be able to get money from them? Uh, are you going to be able to stop them from selling? Because sometimes if you have got IP, you have to sh- be shown that you are doing something about it as well. Yeah. And then maybe you just settle. And you know, we've, we've come up with a lot of agreements where it's like, okay, look, stop selling it. Uh, you can't sell it. You shouldn't sell it. Stop selling it. Sell off your stock, and and that's it. You know, that's a, that's an easy thing. And you can do a lot of these things just through lawyers. And a lot of people cooperate. Some people don't. Uh, some people want to fight you and and that. But I think I think you just got to kind of look at everything on a case by case basis and say, if you're a small business, is it worth doing that, or could you put that energy into developing something else and another version? <laughs> uh, have you have you had a lot of cases where you kind of had to learn this the hard way then through through the battle i suppose several times because you because you you seem like a man sat here that's that's (laughs) talking about a fair few battles that he's been through himself you know from experience that it just it just make you tired wouldn't it essentially when you could be out there developing do you think then you've had to get over your kind of your own ego slightly in some cases to be able to not to to know what battle to fight because i i found in my younger days that my ego would make me fight battles that i shouldn't be shouldn't be fighting because of someone else's opinion over here which is similar to the ip thing yeah um yeah i i i can agree with that um you've just got to be i suppose that's where it comes from being that's what that's where this sort of habitual ritual kind of thing and being present you know sometimes when you take a step back and because when you're in business you've got a lot going on particularly if it's a small business and there's lots of things coming at you at the same time you've got to sell you've got to raise money you've got you've got a look court case you've got to develop new products you've got people there's a lot of things and I suppose and and you're working long hours and you might be traveling um, and then you get a little bit of time to work out which is why it's important because that's where I reflect and and then one week goes into another and even through the pandemic you know I'm not taking this this break I took now was the first one I took for like three years not saying that's a good thing it's just how things that's ended up entrepreneurship isn't it yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you you can end up just go, and if you're not and you're tired and when you're tired you don't make good decisions so if you're not careful you can end up doing all that kind of stuff and normally when you run down and tired and you're not eating great and you're not healthy that's when you, you do stupid things so I think that's where health and wellness comes in because it's you know are you getting your sleep you know I'm a big proponent I wear an aura ring and focus on my sleep because if depending on where that is i can now can make the connection between decision making and reacting to stupid shit and and that based on my emotional state and you can also look at your sleep that day and think whether it's best to make this important decision at 4 p.m this afternoon or whether it's better i make that at 9 a.m tomorrow morning when i've perhaps had eight hours yeah it's always it's always generally better to i've learned even if it's an email i've always my dad said this always better to kind of write it and then send it in the morning, you know. Um. Yeah, I, I've, I've, learnt, I've, learnt, I've learnt that the hard way with with a few with a few people. I've I've even um, in my younger days, probably a couple of years back, I I, I got rid of a client, um, and it was about two hundred thousand dollar contract to me, and I got rid of a client, and it was just that was all predicated down to my ego, mm. where I where I'd gone, nah, fuck you, I know, fuck sending me that at this time of night fuck this contract I've got other contracts which is fine but it's just a stupid when you look back on it now it was it was right for, it was right for me in terms of like it's worked out alright but it was just that was all predicated to ego and me not thinking about it me not sending it at a different time and I think yeah. if you can get over yourself in life 
and get and move out the way of yourself you can achieve a hell of a lot more than if you get into this habitual state that we're talking about and you start fighting the world like I was doing at that particular time yeah because even if you want to come away from the client I'm not saying this relates to your situation but it's like okay look I've had enough of this guy or girl um but you you can exit the relationship on your terms so okay yeah. by the end of the year I'm out of this and you're pl- as opposed to like today it's you know I've got people employed to do this it's gonna it's gonna create hassle for me in the short term so if you want to get rid of it it's like okay let's do it let's think about this through let's change the direction of the business and you you kind of plan these things but I, I, we've all done it um, but I, I think trying to get that when you are busy having that time okay let's go to the gym or let's go and have a workout or let's get some rest and let's eat well and and um, and to, even when I've been traveling, I still travel quite a lot around the world. And if you've been away for a few weeks and you're, you're dealing with your jet lag and coming back to loads of emails, again, realizing that, look, you're not going to be in your best mental state because you're, you're tired, your body's broken down. Put certain things off until <laughs> <laughs> yeah. even, even stuff at home, relationships, family or whatever, just kind of ease yourself back sit in, in sit in the car for half an hour <laughs> on the driveway and just reconnect before you go in there and talk to that wife of yours yeah i, I used I, to go to the gym first i always used to go and have yeah. a workout sit in the sauna you know shave my head yeah this, <laughs> <And> sh- <laughs> let's talk about that because i i shave my head and i find that therapeutic really yeah i find it like the, like like just just it chills me right out i i don't know whether you feel the same but I, i've always found it no i i haven't i guess um no I've not, I've not kind of, um, I've, I've, I've stopped shaving my face for a little while. I've kind of grown a bit of a beard, so uh, I just had enough of shaving my face and my head. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think there's a, there's a lot of, I think men that accept who they are, like, like people like ourselves that do shave their head when they've got a receder. I think it's just way, it's just way better to accept it earlier on because I see a lot of people out in the world. In society, a lot of lads message me about this particular topic about oh, hair. Oh, really? Hair loss, and they and they and, they, oh. and, they, and, they, and they're they're like, oh, you know, should I go turkey? Should I do this? That it's just way easier to just shave it off and move forward. I think. Yeah, I've had it. I've been like this for a long time, so I suppose I've. I didn't. I didn't really think about it too much, but yeah, I do know people that kind of, you know, implant stuff and uh, have it, that issue it, to it, deal it, with. It just shows a lack of acceptance, as far as as far as <laughs> I can understand myself. But obviously. What are some of your biggest learnings now in the last kind of 12 months, 16 months that you've kind of had to really kind of sit with and kind of go, do you know what? I wish I'd learned that a lot sooner because that would have, that would have made my life a hell of a lot easier. <laughs> in life or business or, or both? Uh, it, both, yeah, both. I think for business, it's, uh, it's, it's the understanding the kind of business model um, and figuring out your your exit plan when i did the tony robbins stuff a lot he always said um you know always have an exit plan even if you don't plan to exit have a have an exit plan and and make sure you're kind of setting your business up for that and for me and and for our family it's always been a lifestyle business we've had a great life it's it's the way it's been structured has been around you know having um providing for the family having you know not going on holiday together and and doing you know having nice cars and 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 that was really the sort of goal but time goes like i can't believe we've been doing it for 25 years and and you you do get to a time where um you kind of have to think all right well maybe i want to do something different or maybe i don't want to keep working or whatever and and if you if you sort of don't go into it with those plans then it just is it's a lot harder to 
to change things after a long time. Is a hundred staff and multiple factories a lifestyle <laughs> business? Because I because that's that's far more far more advanced of a lifestyle business that I've ever heard. Do you know well, what that, well, that's what I mean. It, it, it kind of before you know it, it turns into some a pro- big thing. You, you started off. I think you started off with the vision of it being a lifestyle business, probably <laughs> having five to ten staff. But I think what you've actually built is a phenomenal business that's now obviously a saleable asset. And now you, and now you're probably sat there thinking, okay. We're in the position. I've got to actually assess potentially whether I want to whether I'm going to sell it or exit it in the future. Is that, are those things crossing your mind? Yeah, I, I think we. I I, um, I I suppose it's more like life at some at some point. You know, nothing's guaranteed, and and you've got I've got children, and 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 you have to sort of make those plans. Is it something that they're going to get involved in? And um, you know what do you what do you want to do for the rest of your life? So I, I I suppose I would like to always continue to to work as long as I can and um and I like traveling I like business I like traveling I like buying and selling things and I as long as I've got energy then I I would love to do that whether it's fitness equipment or something in the health and wellness space I would like to do but I I, I suppose there's ways of sort of growing businesses which is sort of buying and selling parts and having like say having a an exit plan which I, which I didn't do at the beginning and and probably I may have structured things a little bit differently um so essentially what you're saying is then build it with the end in mind so that it can be a saleable asset and have you now put in a plan in place that if you ever wanted to do that that's that's now structured into your plan I suppose yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. One of the things I want to talk about as well, and pandemics. You know, like you never plan for. A, certainly, we never thought we'd go for a pandemic, and uh, you know, you never plan. You never put that you into your you business can't, plan. You can't, you can't plan for that. But one of the things I want to talk about specifically with you, because obviously, like I said at the start of this podcast, you've bootstrapped this company for twenty five years. Um, not took on investment that I could see from the outside. Maybe I'm wrong, but. In terms of like the other brands in this space, a lot of these other brands take on VC, take on other things like that. Can you talk me through t- some of the positives and the negatives in the way that you've done it in fitness and how you've and how you structured it? Can you talk me through that? Yeah, well, the doing it yourself is great because you control everything at all times. However, businesses go in sort of three or four year cycles roughly and you know you come out with an idea or the industry will go up and you can see it in fact we were looking at it today you get these cycles then you get to a certain point in the market and then it changes and you have to reinvent yourself innovate and it goes up and I think I think that happens with 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 a lot of companies and so you the um, although you think okay I'll build a great business and it'll just continue to thrive forever and I own a lot of it. It's, it's not normally the case because you can you have some really good years, you make a lot of money, and then when it comes down, you're going to have to put your hands in your pocket and you have to constantly reinvest. So I so I guess although you own a whole of it, all of it, you know, is that is it better to own fifty percent and to sort of let somebody else continue to do that, yeah, or to yeah, put yeah. a small part of it, or to, or to take it off? I don't know. Um, if, I, I, I like the. I, I, it also depends on what kind of person you are. Having people on the board telling you what to do because they own a big stake at the company because they think they want to do it better is is quite difficult for some people. If you're, you know, if you started the business on your own, it's like okay, well, I just want to do it myself, even if it's not the right way. I just this is a road I want to go down today. You know, I want to take my own journey. Yeah. And when you've got your own business and control, you can absolutely do that. You can 
it's like, okay, I just want to, I'm passionate about doing this. I want to do it. So having, I think for me, freedom has always been sort of a high value, a personal value. And, and so having that, you know, provides you with the freedom to do whatever you want. The downside is that there does become stages as whether you're developing things or expanding. Like we went from Peterborough to opened in Poland. We, we went from open in Poland to opening a business in Germany and employing people over there. We opened an office and distribution in Thailand and we had that for many years until the pandemic when we closed that down. And then about 10 or 11 years ago, we opened a business and distribution center and sales team in America. Um, and all of that was done. We, we invested in all of that ourselves. We didn't take any money on. We put all the stock into the business. We developed the products. And, and that does take a lot of people think when you have your own business you've just got all this cash around but yeah there's loads of it it's kind of sitting in warehouses and that around the, yeah, yeah, around yeah. the world that's, that's you'd, you'd have millions sat in warehouses <laughs> in stock because obviously you can't you got you got to have a, a stock of all this gym equipment and, and you know some of the racks in here like eight to ten grand aren't they so you get you soon soon wax up that you've got a lot of money sat there doesn't it yeah but um but if it, I, th- I think, and also I think it's very much dependent on the type of business. Like if we were in health clubs and this was our gym and we wanted to open a hundred of them around the world because we've figured out the concept, then that would be quite difficult to do quickly with your own money. So I think in those types of businesses, um, if you're open a chain of hotels or, or, or whatever, um, I think taking on investors to be able to, once you've perfected the model, be able to say, right, you know, over the next two years, we're going to open 50 locations. They can provide the, the, the capital required to do that. Um, so I think some of it is dependent on the type of business that you're in as well. Um, How has your life changed, though, since becoming like a husband and a dad and, and all that kind of stuff? Great, yeah, it's, I, I suppose slowly, totally turned on its head, I guess, from... Are you? Do you have kids? Are you married? No, I haven't. I haven't got kids. I haven't even got a message yet. But okay. I, but I'm trying to learn uh, <laughs> as many lessons uh, from people like yourself that have you know got to a bald mastery level above me <laughs> and kind of kind of kind of get the essence of what of what the game is. Kind of. Well, the first thing that and I say this to my children, although they're not at that age yet. I, th- I, th- I think the first thing that we all do and we've all done and I've done is is you kind of um, you. Uh, and I'm not necessarily giving a relationship advice but you you meet someone and you're not quite a complete person yourself and you meet another person that's not quite a complete person and you try and and you try and sort of get together and you're two sort of people that don't really know who you are which is a recipe for disaster and um and one of the things that I learned a lot through some of the Tony Robbins stuff actually and before I met my wife is look Work on yourself first. You've really got to get yourself and to a stage where you would want to be with you. Uh, you know, you you you've, you've figured out all this shit that's not right about you, and all the issues, and you and you're kind of fairly together, and um, and you you know who you are as a. I can only speak as a man, and who you will be for someone else, and um, and sometimes it helps to learn how not to do that. I get get a bit, I guess a bit of experience kind of teaches you some of that the hard way. But but just learning out who who you want to be, and then I suppose attracting that person to you is a lot easier because you become the person that someone would want to be attracted to. We can all put on a nice sort of surface, and we can go out to dinner, and we can dress well, and we can you know 
have a nice car and a nice house and everything. But like at the end of the day, they're really going to be with you a lot of the time. And if you're not that person, then you haven't got a chance. And so that took me quite a while. And, and I think when I made that shift was when I sort of met my wife and that happened. But then that's only really, you know, then I also learned that was just the start of a journey. You've then got to kind of figure out how to, to do that with someone. And luckily I've got a very... I've got a wonderful, caring wife that was put up with a lot of that learning from me to for me to become, you know, someone in the relationship. And then once you've got that, then it's, you know, you've got to then figure that dynamic out with kids as well. Um, you, you've got to be strong together. And, and then you've also got to be an example for your, for your kids because they're the only example that they learn of, of you know, they're, they're, you're their model for what they're going to be in life. And if you've got a messed up relationship, that's what they're going to see. You know, if their mother's one thing and their father's one thing, they're just going to, unconsciously, they're going to go out and, and you know, that's why you see these issues generation after generation, really. So, so you've, got to even, you've got to figure out if you want to be with that person, this is what we did. It's like, okay, we're going to, we're going to make it work just mainly for the sake of our kids. And then we'll be the, a great example for our kids, a great role model. My wife's a great role model. Um, you know, if you, we, we talk about escaping our limits and that's what we want to give to our kids so that we, we set the standard for them to follow. Um, and you also have to be consistent and honest and um, you, have to, you have to maintain all those values that you want them to kind of one day um, carry themselves to be good people and to be able to figure out what they need to do in life. So it's take, yeah, it's take, we've been married um, like nearly 14 years now. So it's been a lot. And every year the kids kind of get older and you learn a little bit more about each other and about the And children. about yourself, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, you have Always. to evolve. And you have to be able to evolve together. Like when we moved to America together, uh, which was five years ago, you know, it's very easy for you, you know, if you're... If, if you know let's say I wanted to grow and develop in one direction you know mentally we you know I grew and develop and learned a lot of new things and wanted to meet new experiences and so did she so it's quite easy that you can sort of grow and develop but in different directions so you've got to be able to have someone where you can grow and develop independently but also be connected as a couple and that's not easy because sometimes you know someone goes up here and the other person's not there and then they're no longer interested in you because you're just different right. people so that so as you're evolving and as a couple your degree of separation has to the gap still has to stay a constant as well so that you're not too far separated at one particular point and then that ends the relationship is what you're saying well i think i think you've got to you've got to grow yourself you, you, and you can only focus on your own personal growth um but you've got to find a partner that wants to do the same and yeah. and in that you've also got to figure out how to stay connected in your growth, you know, and, and that, you know, that, that takes communication, um, doesn't always happen, but I, you know, we've, we both grew a lot when we were out there and, um, and, and, you know, in some cases when you do put yourselves into that situation, you do rely on each other. Like I've got two kids and, and my wife said, so it's just the four of us and we were on our own. And then when the pandemic hit, so in some ways, you're kind of forced to survive together. So in some ways, it brings you together. Um, but also, you have to grow to survive. As you know yourself, you go to another country, it's not easy to, to stay and to live. No, and it, to takes, it takes a lot. Make money. And, and it's like, who are you? You know, there's plenty of people like you here. You, you know, you're a foreigner that's coming to another country. And, you, you know, 
<laughs> so, so give my give my, before we go, give my audience a bit of an insight into into this American dream and if it still exists. I mean, how much has America changed your life and changed the business and changed you know your personal development and everything since you've been out there? It is it is um, something that I think my, my my parents tell a story, but I, even when I was a, a kid at sort of junior school, I was um, I, I sort of used to have this dream of I used to watch all the American movies and things on tv so i think for me it was always a dream to live out there starsky and hutch i think was the people was the were the sort of things on at the time and i wanted to kind of you know be a, be sort of out there and um and chips that was the other one california highway patrol i don't know if you remember that one. No, i don't remember that one now <laughs> that, that, that is a few years That's, for me yeah. yeah so that was um that, that those were some of the things i used to watch so i wanted to live out there and um and it was always it always seemed like a when I had the when we had escape and we were in the early years, you know, going to Europe and Germany seemed like a big dream, but going to America was just too much. It was like, no, there's there's so many great companies. I used to go to the big trade shows out there and see the companies doing it and think, wow, you know, they're just so amazing. Um, and that it was like, you we nothing we could do would be relevant here. And over time, I used to go back and I had some friends that had made the move, and they, you know, one guy sort of said, oh, your stuff would do really well out here, and. Um, and that I was like, oh, okay. And that for me, that was like a, an invitation. And I came back and told my dad, I said, oh, I met someone. He said, we do really well out here. You know, we should move, get the business going. Um, and my dad did a, an amazing job. At, he, he does a lot of the operational stuff. So finding a warehouse and getting all that together. And I made the commitment I'd build the business. Nothing really than this guy who was just a friend who worked for a company, you know, just random guy saying you should do that. But I, for me, I was like, that is an invitation. You know, he's, he believes we can do it, so we can do it. And um, we, we had a few years, we had quite a few years where it was like, look, just nothing's working. You know, like the original plan, the strategy, the way I was going to go to market and the sales, none of that. It was just like dead end, dead end. And we invested quite a lot of money. And, um, and I just kept kind of trying to figure out, learn the market. You know, you're boxer and it's almost like where's the where's the gap you know it's got to be one I'm just you know you're just sort of looking for it eventually I'll find it and we we kind of fell upon a sort of a, an idea I saw a friend of mine do something and we fell upon an idea and managed to get my teeth into this sort of opportunity and that then that all kind of came together and and we we sort of uh managed to grow the business and um but it took it, it took a long time to do that and and I, I think as um so so from a business perspective it was very it was very difficult and then when we we decided to move out there and live in america to get the business going originally we went to go for one year we we got a five-year visa and it was like right 12 months we'll go go and live in california and the idea was if we were going to go there, my wife who's just sitting over there said, well, we're not going to go to somewhere cold or somewhere like London, cause, which is where we're living. It's like, well, let's go to the sun and let's go overlook the beach. It's almost like a year holiday, kind of. Um, it wasn't really a holiday, but it was like, it was that kind of mentality. Let's just live in a beautiful place for a year if we're going to do it. So we found, I, f- I found this place, Newport Beach, and it literally did overlook the beach and it was on a beach and it was sort of, know perfect from that perspective so we went there for a year ended up there for five um, because every year was like okay we you know this is this is good but also we were trying to move the business forward and um and yeah today we've got a you know we've got a great business i would say within that commercial space we're probably one of the the leaders in what we do and we've done that through very little money we've done you know podcasting and 
a lot of digital stuff. We've we've been able to sort of innovate and and sort of keep keep going out there and and a lot of help, a lot of people, a lot of great team behind us. You know, I'm, I was just the one that that was out there, but we have a lot of great people behind us. But it's been a it's been ten years of the hardest hardest time in my life. You know, as great as it's been for me and the family and what we've achieved, it's it's really been remarkable, and I'm sort of proud of what we've done. But I have to say it's, it's been the and – it, and it still continues to be the most difficult challenge Yeah, I imagine. Ever. Yeah. You know, every day it's like, look, it's no – and I'm, I'm sure we'll kind of get to a stage where, you know, the whole lot will come together and you're on the next level. And it's like, okay, where do we go next? But, but it's been um, – it's, it's, it's not been easy. And I can see why most people just give up because um, – you kind of got to really want it or you got to be a little bit crazy to sort of want to go through the, the, the sort of difficulties of setting up a business over there. Yeah, I think I think the, the market and how dynamic it is and how big it is and how you've how much capital you've got to allocate in, in an industry like this to, to obviously get even in through the door would be too many obstacles for us for so many people. So you've done amazingly well to stick it out and obviously to create what you have. Obviously, look, I want to get you home to the wife because she sat here looking at me and she, she's, she, she's, she's ready for me to finish. But if there was one piece of golden advice that you wish that your kids had gotten or you, you'd gotten as an early entrepreneur that, and you can only leave one piece of, of one pearl of wisdom to drop on the world, what would it be for this audience? That's a, that's a difficult one. Well, I hope as far as my kids are concerned, they're getting everything. I'm not leaving a stone unturned in terms of what that is. But there's many different lessons we, we're constantly giving those. Um, I think the one thing that I believe, and it's kind of on the wall behind me, is, is I think we all, um, and you know, I say this in our podcast, you know, we, we're all, we all have limits. Um, that Most of those limits are what we set upon ourselves. It comes back to that book, Think Big, and... Um, and and I, you know, a lot of cases, what you think is your best and what you think is possible is is a fraction of what's possible. And I think we all we're all we're all sort of our biggest constraint. Um, and and it's you know I, I think if you can constantly have this attitude of of how do you escape your own personal or mental limits? You know, if you if you say that's as good as what you can do, is it really? You know, I, we, we're going through this. We're putting together a new three-year business plan at the moment, and we've got some new products. And we're, um, it, it you know, it could be quite exciting in the next few years. We could totally transform the business. We could go into a totally different area. At the moment, it's a it's a sort of a a use a, a valueless idea that's you know we've got some prototypes, but it's worth nothing on paper. Or, or it could be worth hundreds of millions of dollars. You know that what's the difference between this idea and and it being hundreds of millions of dollars it's it's believing in how we're going to do it and and sort of following up on that plan and and so in order to sort of in order to create something that isn't there at the moment in in in, in my mind it's there but in order to bring that into reality then we have to constantly i have to constantly escape my own personal limits to excite everybody to excite myself to bring people with me to excite our clients who are going to buy it, and to and to convince everybody this is the next best thing, convince investors, etc. So, I think if you've got that attitude of escaping your limits, and you can spend that time with yourself, believing and seeing how it's all going to come together, then you know any anything's possible, really. So, <laughs> I, I love it, mate. I love it, and I, like I said to you before, obviously. Uh, as a, from an entrepreneurial point of view and seeing your life out in Newport and everything you're doing in America very inspiring because obviously coming from this city 
Um, there are a lot of talented people here that, that go under the radar, like you said at the start of the podcast, but essentially it's nice to see someone else smashing life and smashing it the way that you are and the way that your family are. So credit to you. And uh, guys, I hope do me a solid favor. Yeah? If you like this podcast, can you like it on all the platforms, subscribe and do me a solid favor as well. And just leave a review on Apple. That helps no end as well as that really impacts. And, and I'll put all of Matthew's links under this podcast so you can look at his fitness equipment, the business he's built and his social media as well. And uh, much love. Thank you very much. Thanks very much. Thanks for inviting me. Guys, do me a solid favor. Drop a comment below this video and let us know who you want on the podcast next.